0: Good day, everyone. Thank you for joining us again today. Um, our scripture comes from the book of Romans chapter 1, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. And before we begin, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you once again that you have given us this day, Father. I pray you continue to guide and lead us, Lord. Guide and be with us. Pray that you be with the listener, Lord. I pray your hand be upon them. Watch over and comfort them. Guide them and be with them. Guide them and lead them, Lord, each and every day. I ask your blessing upon your word that you would use me and speak through me today, Lord. I ask all these things in your Son, Jesus Christ's name, I pray, Lord. Let it be. Amen. Take your Bible and turn with me to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. And it reads, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that the grace may increase? By no means. We die to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as, as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with Him like this in death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that sin Since Christ was raised from the dead, we cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over us. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive in God, in Christ Jesus. Amen. So what I want to look at here first is kind of give us a backdrop of what Paul is writing about here in chapter 6 and why he starts off in such a manner. In our scripture today, Paul is addressing the church at Rome. In uh, the latter part of chapter 5, Paul talked about righteousness and justification. Paul wrote that sin and death entered the world through one man, that is, Adam. But through Jesus Christ, God's grace was shown to all men. This meant that we were made righteous before God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And now because of the righteousness, we are justified fully by our faith in Jesus Christ. So righteousness is being made right before God, and justification is uh, life for all men, free from guilt and the condemnation that comes by sin. The price was paid by Jesus Christ. And so we have this now, this justification by faith, by our faith in Jesus Christ, we are justified. And so Paul now needs to address something, and he talks about how grace was shown to each and everyone, how grace is shown even though that sin uh, is, is alive, that sin is prevalent in, in every day, and, and the more sin is, the more grace is shown, Where sin is that grace is also shown. And, and so Paul begins to write this letter, and he wants to address something. So as we look here at the beginning, Paul starts chapter six with two questions. These two questions stem from the fact that in chapter five, Paul makes the statement in Romans chapter five, verses 21 are 20 and 21. But we were, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The basis of these questions that Paul asked at the beginning of this chapter was set on the anticipation Paul had for someone saying, if I want more grace, I will sin more. Because where grace, where sin is, grace abounds. Where sin is, grace is present as well. So if I want more grace, then maybe I should just continue to sin more. And Paul is kind of going back from that and he says, no, that's not what I'm saying. He's anticipating someone saying that no one has really asked him and no one has really said anything. But in anticipation, the looking forward, the preparation for that question to come, he's already answered it answering it. There are two human aspects Paul uses to help the reader understand what he is talking about, and he uses these terms, death and life. And so as we look at this, uh, we know that if we are not alive, we are dead. Death is the first aspect Paul writes about. Paul equates sin and death as the same thing. With sin, there is the is ultimately death. What that means is if we do not ask for forgiveness for our sins, then the result of our lives is eternal separation from God, which is a forever death, a separation from him. And how and So sin is the disconnect that we as men and women have from God. There's always been that disconnect. Remember, Adam and Eve had that connection with God. They had that connection with him from the beginning, but there came a disconnect. There came a separation, and that separation was caused by man's fall and man's sin. And the connection is made through what Jesus did. So we have that reconnection. The connection is made through what Jesus did on the cross and us, meaning men and women, accepting what he did on the cross. Uh, Paul has the believers think back to their own conversion and what happened to them. So Paul has is, is saying, you know, we have life and we have death. And in life and in death, there are certain things that take place. There certain things that happen. So let's address death first. Let's address sin first. Let's look at sin first. Paul is saying, and I want you to reflect back on your own conversion. I want you to think back on what happened to you when you became a child of God. And Paul uses what every believer has has gone through, what every uh, believer has done within their lives, and that is baptism. Paul goes on to describe that when we accept what Jesus did on the cross, we go through a spiritual and a physical baptism. So there's two types of baptism that take place. This baptism baptism, is the inward and outward sign that we no longer live according to the sinful nature of man or the flesh of man. Why is that? For one, we accept what Jesus did. we we follow in his footsteps of his death, burial, and resurrection. We no longer submit to sin as a way of life because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. That's what it says in Romans chapter six, verse, uh, verses seven. So look that up. So look down at that. That's in chapter, uh, verse seven there in our reading for today. And so we we take off this old self that we have, we take off this old being that we have, and we put on this new self, we, we become a new person, we have nothing to do with the old anymore, that person has gone, that person has, has hopefully uh, gone away with and died. And so we see that we're with Jesus in his his death. You know, Jesus died on the cross. He nailed uh he uh, was nailed to the cross. And on that cross, he bore our sins and our sins are on that cross. Our sins that we have every day, the sins that we commit, the sins that we do, the sins that, you know, the gossip, the cheating, the lying, the stealing, the the fornication, the adultery, all those things were put on Jesus Christ, where we should have been, but Jesus took it upon himself. Amen. And so after Jesus was on the cross, he died. He went to the cross, he died, and they took Him off, and they laid him into tomb. And there he lay for three days in the physical baptism of a person. There is a submersion, submersion of a person into water. When accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we change as a person. There is within a person a metamorphosis which takes place. The spirit comes into our lives. Then in turn, we make make the outward uh, sign, the physical baptism. So inwardly, we change. Inwardly, that the Spirit comes in and changes us. Inwardly, that Spirit works first, and then outwardly, we go through the physical baptism. You, this, you see, the Spirit works first, then the physical happens. The physical baptism happens. In the book of Acts chapter 10, we read about Peter and this centurion soldier named Cornelius. And Cornelius invites Peter to go with him to his home in this place called Caesarea and Peter accepts and but normally Peter would not have gone because Peter being a Jewish person uh would not you know have any type of uh contact or relation with any outside anyone outside the Jewish nation because that was against the law that was forbidden but Peter had a vision Peter had a vision uh from God that that you know uh he God told him, "Get up and kill," and and all he saw all these these forbidden animals and 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 Jesus and God said, "Don't call anything unclean that I have created," and so he gets this vision and and to go to this man. Cornelius, And so he goes to this man, Cornelius. He goes there, he goes into his house, he invites him in, and immediately starts ministering to these people, he immediately starts ministering to the household of Cornelius. And so he begins talking about Jesus Christ. He begins talking about the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And while he, before he's even finished, before he's even done, the Spirit of God comes upon the people. The Holy Spirit comes upon the people and actually, Acts chapter 10, verses 44 and 45, this is what it says. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. And you see that this was an important thing. This was a great thing that happened because now the Holy Spirit was open to all things. The circumcised people, the Jewish people, had looked at God as being their own. They were children of Abraham, and the God of Abraham was their own, that they strictly belonged to them. But now as we move on through the New Testament, as Peter is ministering, as Peter is witnessing, they come to the understanding now that the Holy Spirit, the this gift from God, is now spread and given to all men, Even outside of the Jewish nation, outside of the Jewish uh, realm. And so we see that uh, these Gentiles had the Spirit given to them. The Spirit came on these people first. The Spirit was poured out on them first. This, when the Spirit comes in your life, you have this inward conviction in knowing that something somewhere in my life is amiss. I am separated from God. I am not close to God. I don't have a relationship with God the way I should. And so you have that conviction in your life. You have that understanding when the spirit comes in because you understand and can see you're opened by the spirit. Your eyes are opened by your spiritual eyes are opened and you can see where you stand with God and you can see that you stand at a distance. And so the spirit comes upon these people. The Holy Spirit of God comes upon us to show us where we stand with God and how distant we are from him. After the spirit works, then we enter into the physical. So after the spirit has his way, that we have our understanding that we are sinful by nature, that we are sinful men and women. We come to that understanding. We understand that and we want to separate. And so when we separate ourselves from that, when the spirit has done its work, we understand we are dead to that sin now. We understand that, that, that through Jesus Christ, that is removed from us. And so now... The outward significance of the baptism is what has already taken place on the inside. And in Acts chapter 10, verse again, just moving on a little bit more, verse 48 there in the chapter 10 of Acts. So Peter, it says, so he, meaning Peter, ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them. For a few days. This is the process for everyone. The Spirit works in the heart to bring death to sin. And in the process, we bury sin and come out a new person. We come out anew. We come out different. We we come out changed. At least that's what should happen. At least that's what should take place. That's what is the ultimate result of, of our coming to the salvation of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a new life for all. There is a newness that comes with the spiritual baptism. The physical is only a reflection of what has taken place within the heart. The heart of a new person in Christ wants to show others what Christ has done for them. And so we have the physical baptism. We have the physical baptism, the proclamation that I'm making my stand. It's a public prophecy proclamation to everyone, for everyone to see that I'm making my stand with Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, so what we have here is we have uh, uh, our understanding that we need that physical baptism to make that, you know, to show others that, hey, inside I'm, I'm a changed person. So outside, outwardly, I'm going to make this, uh, this baptism a sign of what's going on on the inside. In turn, our lives are no longer bound to the sinful desires. Versus, verse six says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to it. You are not mastered by any, you are not mastered anymore by sin. That is not to say sin ceases to exist, but that you should not be controlled by it. Warren Weersby writes this. Sin is a terrible master. It finds a willing servant in the human body. Sin wants to be our master. It finds a foothold in the old nature and through the old nature seeks to control the members of the body. But in Jesus Christ, we died to sin and the old nature was crucified so that the old life is rendered inoperative. Amen. Through Jesus Christ, we see the old, old self. Once you take it off, that old self should be like a glove. That old self that we were should be like a glove. You know when you have a glove, any type of glove, and you put it on your hand? When your fingers move, that glove moves with everything, and and, and everything takes place, and everything happens, and that glove is is just moved by your hand. But once you take that glove off and you set it down, that glove no longer functions. All it is was just a, a covering. It's our bodies have taken that off. It's like a glove. We remove that and we have a newness about us. We put on a different glove. We have a different understanding of who we are. That old nature is gone. That sinful nature is gone and it is buried and, it, and it's dead to us. It should be dead to us. We should have died to that. And we have a, and that is our old life and our new life is being alive in Jesus Christ. Amen. Romans chapter 6, 11 says this, if you scroll down or if you look down, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive in God, in Christ Jesus. Count yourself dead. What Paul is saying is believe you are dead to sin and alive in Jesus Christ. This is where our faith comes in. This is where our understanding comes in. This is where our knowledge comes in. For Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter five, fourteen and 15 says this, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. We are led by the Spirit into the knowledge of what Christ did for us. We are alive in him because we believe what he did. So we count ourselves dead to sin, meaning we believe that with all our heart, with all our, our might, that we are dead to sin. And we must understand we are dead to sin. We must understand dead is part of that old self, that sin is, is non-existent, should be non-existent. We cannot believe that sin has control over us because if we come to the saving grace of God through his son, Jesus Christ, then we need to believe that we are dead to sin and darkness and uh, uh, the, the sin that we are dead to sin and darkness and we are alive in the light of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our lives are the reflection of our hearts. If we have a new life in Jesus Christ, we are alive in him through his death, burial, and resurrection. So we count ourselves or believe for ourselves that we are dead to sin because of what he did on the cross. Amen. If we do not believe, if we do not have faith, That we can count ourselves dead to sin. Then what happens is we get into this repetitive cycle of going back to the old way of backsliding into the flesh, backsliding into the old self. We're putting on that old glove. We're taking on the, taking off the new one and we're putting that old glove right back on. We're putting it right back on beginning in the same place. And so for us as we walk, as we, we trust in the Lord, as we believe and we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And in that saving knowledge, we have to believe we are created new and we have to count ourselves as dead in sin, but alive in God, in Jesus Christ. We are alive to God, We are alive to him. We are not dead. We've put off that old self. We're walking in the other direction of of sin. We're walking in the other direction. You know, Jesus is our light at the end of that tunnel, that darkness we come out of. We come into the light of Jesus Christ, and we have to believe that we are counted amongst him, that we are heirs with him, that we are heirs to the throne, that we are engrafted branches into uh, the, the vine of God, into the vine of Jesus Christ. Amen. That all our sins are buried, all our sins that we are separated from our sins as far as the east is from the west. Amen. God separates our sin from us. And so for us, we must we must understand that, that sin is still there as well. Sin is there tempting us. Sin is there tempting each and every one of us. But we have to make sure and understand that just because sin is there doesn't mean that, that sin is existent within our life. It's just tempting us. Satan's just tempting us. Satan's just throwing stuff at us, hoping it'll stick, throwing things at us, hoping they'll stick to us, and that when we let them stick to us, that the sin now bears its way, burrows its way down into our heart where we have our life in Jesus Christ, where he can start that separation again. But we must guard our heart. Amen. We must guard our heart from the sinful nature of this world, from the flesh that we have. You know, our eyes see a lot of stuff. We hear a lot of things and things maybe we shouldn't listen to. See things maybe we shouldn't be looking at. And so um, as for each and every one of us, we must guard that. You know, God, Jesus, you know, went right to the heart of the matter. You know, Jesus was looking farther than any what any commandment would say. He was talking about adultery, and he said, if you look at a woman, if you merely look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you've already committed a sin. You didn't even have to go through the physical portion. You see, that's what the do's and don'ts go. They're they're the physical part. But Jesus was addressing the heart issue. He was saying, what is your heart like? If you just look at that woman and you've already undressed her with your eyes, you've already committed sin. That, that's how deep that sin goes. And so for us, we must believe that that sin, sinful part of us is dead and has no more control in our lives. Amen. Being alive and being dead are two totally different things. Paul paints a clear picture of where we uh, were when we come to the saving grace of, to the saving grace of God through his son, Jesus Christ. We were distant from God. We were separated from God. Through Adam's sin, we were separated. There was that disconnect that, that was that we were sinful and we were not righteous people. But through our faith in Jesus Christ, we were made righteous. And we were justified by our faith. We are justified in our faith through Jesus Christ. We are justified in our belief in Jesus Christ. There is no other source of life other than through Jesus Christ. There is no way into eternal life other than through Jesus Christ. Amen. For you brothers and sisters that are listening, if you've not come to know the saving graces of Jesus Christ, I encourage you. I encourage you to pray right where you're at, to ask God into your life, to ask for forgiveness of your sins, that you would not be separated from him, that you would have eternal life with him. Because the opposite end of that is eternal death, eternal damnation. And so for each and every one of us, that we would make that step, continue in that way, continue in your walk, continue in your journey. Or I she I could tell you it's a smooth road and everything's gonna be easy. It's challenging. I never say anything is hard. I never say anything is 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 hard, like like, oh, this is hard. My students, you know, being a teacher, they say, oh, this is hard. I can't do it. This is hard. And I say, no, it's not, it's challenging. This is this is a challenging walk. It's challenging for us. There's something we can attain. Amen. Through Jesus Christ, let us pray. Lord, I thank you once again for this day that you have given us, Father. I pray you continue to guide and be with each and every one of us. I pray that you be with the listener, Lord, that you watch over and continue uh, to speak to their lives, Lord. Continue to speak to their hearts, Lord. I pray your hand be upon them. I pray your hand be upon the listener, Lord, that your your spirit would speak to theirs, Father. Guide and lead them, and be with them Lord I continue to pray for the post and community Baptist Church continue your hand upon us that we would be a light for you in this community a reflection father of who you are and I pray Lord that you be with uh, our community and our uh, state and our our country lord and this world lord as we continue to fight this uh, uh, coronavirus lord and things are seem to be ramping up again father and I pray your hand be upon each and every one of us Lord that we would be taking the the right place precautions, Lord, to seek you first, Lord, to seek your guidance first of, uh, first and foremost, Lord. Guide and be with all those families, Lord, who've been affected, Lord, and be with those patients who are infected, Lord. Guide and lead them, Lord. Be with those family members who, who cannot go see their loved ones and be with the loved ones there in the hospital. Be with our doctors and our nurses, Father. Watch over. Guide and lead them as well, Father. I ask all these things. I pray your hand be upon each and every one of us, Father. I pray this in your son Jesus Christ's name, Lord, let it be. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. May the Lord bless you this day. Have a great day in Jesus Christ. Amen.